2: That's chumbacasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. BTW. Void We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
2: Welcome back to another edition of the Wolverine live podcast. Wolverine.com with me, Doug Skeen. I'm Chris Ballas. This is uh, Michigan's former all big 10 offensive lineman here played for the new England Patriots who are in a dogfight right now with the uh, Green Bay Packers. Great game. So if you're just joining us from that, uh, you should probably go back and tell us what happens here because that's looking <laughs> back and forth. I'm just kidding. Give us a like though, and uh, and we appreciate it. And uh, looking forward to watching Tom Brady tonight. So, uh, but before then, Skeen, we're going to break down some Michigan and Iowa. And uh, it's funny. Um, you know what, you look at the final stats in this game, you look at the stats through three quarters, and you're thinking, man, they're absolutely mauling these guys and controlling these guys. But one little one little break there in concentration can change the tenor of a whole game, and it goes from laughter to, you know, what you're on the edge of your seat a little bit here. So, but skiing when you win at Iowa, when you're up by 20 a couple of times and you win by double figures, I don't care how bad they are, uh, that's a very good, very good victory on the road. So this is
3: this was a big win, Ballas, because if, going back to the beginning of the year, remember I had circled I had Michigan at 10 and two, and I thought yep. this was going to be the one. Um, that Michigan was going to drop, and then the other one we'll talk about later in the season. But um, because I know how hard it is to go win at Iowa, the teams are usually incredibly well coached. They played a different level when they're at home. The defense coming into this game was highly touted. And so this was the challenge of the year so far for Michigan. and, And I thought, man, they played really well in most facets of the game. There's still a few things that was like, oh, wait a minute. That needs to be fixed. Yep. Um, and we'll talk about those. But overall, this is a great win for Michigan. A no big doubt. win. Anytime you can win on the road at Iowa, um, I think it's a big deal. So this is a big this was this was a big one for Michigan and a great one.
2: Yeah. So for the Twitter people who were telling me on line uh, or on Twitter, lighten up Francis after, you know, <laughs> I said at the end of the game, that last drive was irksome, you know, when they let him drive down the field. Uh, number one, because it cost me staff picks. Actually, I think it cost you a win in staff picks. To be I was
3: going to be yeah. really, really close to, to staff picks. Yeah,
2: you and me both. And uh, instead, John <laughs> Borton gets the backdoor staff picks victory. Uh, mm. Just a few things. So when you're when you're breaking down a game that you can be, Thrilled with a win, but as you always say, you know what? If you've if you've got things to work on, then these are things that you're gonna to have to improve to beat Ohio State to, yeah. to to beat the better teams on the schedule, the Penn States. You know, we would have said Michigan State at one time, we'll get to that in a minute, probably not anymore. Yeah. However, that's gonna be Michigan's Super Bowl there. I don't think there's any question or Michigan State Super Bowl. So it always um, is, it always is, but um when we just saw those stats there that Hutch put up, if you look through the end of the third quarter, and to me Uh, You know, you're doubling up in yardage, and the push that they got, the offensive line, the push that they got from the get-go scheme, I knew, uh, even when they were bringing these guys in a little bit tighter and they were still getting push in the power game, Mm -hmm. that Michigan's offensive line was probably going to have a pretty good day, and so was the offense.
3: The first first two possessions of that game for Michigan and Iowa could not have gone better for Michigan. That offensive line was cracking five, six yards per snap on the ground for the most part of that first quarter. And I thought Michigan's got this. All they got to do is this, and we're going to handle them. And eventually, that's mostly what we did. So, kudos to the interior Michigan offensive line, uh, Keegan and Olawatimi and Zinter at right guard, really handling the middle in there. Of course, the two tackles played well, uh, and and the tight end, the, the blocking, the blocking and the running in the first part of that football game set this thing up for Michigan to have success. Now it wasn't without concern, um, but it was an impressive display of offense from Michigan, and so the, the couple thoughts, Ballas, is, is I'm watching this game. I'm watching this Iowa defense, right? And I'm thinking, oh man, these guys are supposed to be so good and and they're tough. And I'm watching this defense, the defensive front specifically. I'm like, yeah, their linebackers can run and they're playmakers. They're football players. But where where were the studs on that Iowa defensive line? Uh, they don't have a Mozzie Smith. They don't have that. They don't have anybody like that guy. Um, and where's the Morris? Where's their Morris on their defensive line? I didn't see anybody that's as good as our guy in, in that position. And so, and then the way our defensive line finished our game against them, I'm like, well, the Michigan defensive line is better than these guys. Um, yeah. And that's not to diminish the, the impressive nature that Michigan's offensive line had. I'm just saying that I was a little underwhelmed with this imposing Iowa defense that I thought we were going to face. Nonetheless, it was a great win for Michigan, in that first series, remember when I said we're going to see a little bit more depth in the offensive playbook, ballast? Yeah. That Ronnie Bell touchdown, yep. if you go back and watch it from the, from the back end, Schoonmaker is on the left, and he makes a move to the offensive right. And you watch all three of those linebackers. They see that motion, and they scrape over to the front side of that offense. And then he plants his foot and reverses field as a lead blocker. Those linebackers were all out of the play. Yep. that that is a wrinkle we have not seen yet so far this year and that's the kind of thing that you you unveil as you get into these other games against these other opponents and it's like oh that was a really nice little twist i hadn't seen that all year and it caught off iowa off guard and you break really tenants
2: nice. you break tendency and you run different things off of, of similar looks that you've shown you know over and over and over again and that was perfect so the way they yeah. set that up uh blake Corum running hard um Fantastic. So, there were a couple things that prevented this from being maybe a thirty-eight to seven or a forty-one to seven game or something like that. Number one, uh, on their second drive, they're going down. Zach Zinter, I think, steps on JJ uh, <laughs> <J>. McCarthy's foot. <laughs> yep. What happens there as an offensive lineman? Who's who's that on? And uh, because they're taking a shot there, ski That's a first down play. I
3: know. And I know. you know
2: what? And they're moving right downfield. I thinking, know. If they go fourteen nothing. That might be it. We might as well just go home and go out to eat.
3: And and we were uh, yeah the it was almost chicken sandwich sign time almost. earlier in that game. Yeah. Um, so as an offensive lineman, you know linemen are always taught to. <laughs> I love that. Ten thirty four Jose, yeah. nice. Um, as an offensive lineman, you're always thinking: where's my first step need to go? Where do I need to plant my first move? And it's always with that right or left foot. And on that play, Zinter needed to get that left foot left. The problem is when you tighten up your splits, and splits are the difference between my foot and the my left foot. If as I'm Zinter, my left foot and Olabotimi's right foot, as that gets narrow, and more narrow, and then you come off the ball in your stance. If you back up, a, you know six eight inches, and you take a hard step to the left, that's all it took. And so if you're you know, and you got to know that your quarterback's under center, he's not of the gun. So is that you can't really blame Zinter for that. Um, it's more or less a, a you know a pre-snap consciousness of just understanding it. It's kind of a fluke thing, but JJ pivoted off his right foot to make a move to his left. So he made a, his first move was with his left foot. So his right foot didn't go anywhere. And Zinter's first move with Wiz was with his left foot. So there you go. You got stepped on. Goodness, the good news is it didn't break JJ's foot because trust me, getting stepped on by a three hundred pound man hurts. As a three hundred pound man, I've done this to other people. It hurts other people.
2: Um, I was going to ask you: Can you do you remember ever doing it in a game and, and how you felt?
3: Not in a game, not oh, in really? a game, but, okay. but in practice, I remember because when you get in short yardage and goal line, you tend mm-hmm. to tighten up your splits, right? And you got to be careful of that. But uh, my worst uh, foot stepping incident was uh, Greg Skrepanek, who was Call just me. shy of four hundred pounds, stepped on my foot with the, with the old seven spike, you know, grass cleats ballast. Yes. I thought I was never going to walk again. Um,
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> that that's a big man. That's
3: uh, it's a huge man. And yeah. Zinter's not a small man either. So no, I'm glad yeah. that JJ didn't hurt himself in that play. It was kind of a fluky deal, but that's all it took. Yeah. That knocked the rhythm of the offense off. And then we're fighting uphill to try to get back to first down yardage. And that was a moment in the game where, yeah, we could have really broken this some that thing open right there and taken uh, some serious uh, uh, momentum down their throats. And yep. Voila, one mistake and here we are. The yep. game the game ended up being tighter far further into that football game than it right. needed to be. Had Michigan just executed on a few situations, we could have put that thing away much earlier. Right.
2: But that's the thing, right? If you're playing a tighter offense and a little bit more conservative, which is how Jim Harbaugh wants to play, and I wrote this in a column scheme, it kind of felt like a Lloyd Carr win, right? Where yeah. if you do everything right, then you get Penn State 1997, where, you know what, you're ran, running it down their throats, and then you're throwing play action. You're not missing that bomb that he missed to Roman Wilson, J.J. McCarthy, and we'll talk about the deep ball here in a minute. Yeah. But a, a couple of m- momentary lapses of judgment or concentration, and all of a sudden, you've got yourself a 20-7 game, and that brings us to our Next, our next uh, play, you're up 20 to nothing and you got Michigan fans getting ready to celebrate and they're making their reservations <laughs> online, you know, about where we're going to eat. And then all of a sudden uh, you get an a lineman who I think was probably thinking the same thing, probably about his chicken sandwich up 20 to nothing. And closing in at the end of the third quarter, here's what I thought was going to happen, Steve. I thought, OK, the way you've been running the ball and you're wearing these guys down. I thought, OK, you're going to run, run, you know, take this thing to the fourth quarter up 20 to nothing, you know and instead they passed twice and on the second pass man disaster strikes what happened on that play
3: you're talking about the uh, the, the backward pass fumble exactly. thing yeah 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 so i went back and looked at that one several times and it appears to me that uh, our young right tackle there trente jones went missed assignment went ma because he stepped inside and there was no one home to block or check blitz it looked like the 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 offensive line from right guard all the way over to the left was protection set left and that would have meant Trente had a one on one with that defensive end. He was he obviously was expecting someone to come over there and pick up that defensive end, but there was no one to do it. So it looks like Trente went missed assignment there. And then all of a sudden you got you know a backward pass and disaster almost strikes. We we're in full control of that football game and one mistake. And now you lose 10, 15 yards and then you know I think it was that was a second down. It's more than the that. next yeah. the next yeah it was 15 yard loss or whatever yeah. it was. And all of a sudden, uh, uh, you know, thank God we got the ball back there and recovered it. And then, you you know, you run for five and, you, and then you punt. But it's just a mental error that's got to be cleaned up. You can't let people have free shots in your quarterback. And so if you go back and you watch the film again, Baus, the TV copy there, and, you know, you and I talk about this, when the play is over and the television camera has a wide enough angle there, you watch the body language of the guy in question. And on that one, you see, Trente takes a set inside, and then he looks and sees the color go past his right, and he sees the disaster that happened in the backfield, and then the first thing he does is he looks and he turns towards Zinter, and they're obviously talking. There was a miscommunication somewhere, so I have no idea what Trente said, but he's obviously looking for, hey, what was the protection? Right. What happened there? So it looked like he was the odd man out. So one out of five guys makes a mistake, and you got a almost a disaster.
2: Tropicana banana there makes a good point. Down Van Edwards with a great hustle play. Oh, another, yeah. another sentence that I never thought I'd say, Tropicana banana says, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> in my in my lifetime, but it was a great play yeah. and it led to a touchdown anyway, but they, you know, they took some, uh, a bad point by Brad Robbins, really the first one of the year where he kind of yeah. shanked it a little bit, but you know what? It's that little sequence of events that, uh, <laughs> there's <laughs> a yellow shirt. Alice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh it was the Doug Skeen's yellow shirt. So that yeah,
3: so was my yellow shirt. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah. So uh the fat guy in a yellow shirt. Yeah, but, that was you me. know what? Here's the thing, Skeen. <laughs> um, these are the little plays. If you're going to be in a game like that, just, again, I love it so much. If you're going to be in a game like that and you're playing it close to the best and, and JJ McCarthy 155 yards, you know what? They're not turning him loose, nor should they have in this game. And, yeah. and in fact, Kirk Ferentz, uh, Iowa's coach, said after the game, we thought we could get a few more of those from him. Or you know, or a young quarterback with our defensive line. Two things: yeah. the offensive line overall did a fantastic job yes. protecting and and run blocking. Yeah. So
3: on to the ballast. There were only three plays that yeah. stick out of my mind that were. Right. Well, four. I'm going to say there were four offensive line related plays mm-hmm. that caused us problems, and we had, what 60, 70 snaps right. in that football game. We dominated right. the possession of time, first downs, rushing yardage, everything. But there were four. We just talked about the one. Yep. And then uh, Ryan Hayes at left tackle gave up a bad pressure um, mm-hmm. on a on a pass rush, and he just missed and got put on roller skates. You got to eliminate that. If you want to be an All American, you can't do those things. He's better than that, and then there was the option play to the right where Michigan did the option right, and and there was one too many guys over there. JJ went to pitch the ball, and, and I think, again, I think on that play, we had a missed assignment on the front side of that play, and then there was a third and one down on our own end, um, and the game was still a two-possession game at that time, I think. It a was. third and one, and uh, our offensive line just got knocked straight back to a man almost across the front, and we're pretty good at short yardage and goal line. now throughout the course of the game, it's like, you know, third and short, second and short, powered in there, Coram finds the seam and falls forward for four yards or three yards. But on that particular play, we got stuffed. Yep. Those are the only four plays, really, that kind of stuck out as I watched the game and thought – Man, with the exception of those four plays, this offensive line was outstanding
2: right and it is our job to talk about these things folks you know because these are if in an Ohio State game these are plays that can cost you that game for example but I do want to talk though about two of those plays that you brought up the option play Uh, my tweet on that one was you know what you're getting five six yards of pop if you're going to run the ball you know what why bring out the option there at that point you're running it down their throats and it's like Harbaugh said early in the game you're getting five six seven yards of pop and uh, you know what if you want to run and, and make it four down territory type of thing you know what run it at them I didn't like the option there and Trente Jones was on roller skates, man. If you watch that play well, again.
3: Yeah, he he was. Yeah. He got knocked back. And again, I don't know the assignments, but there has to be a pitch man, a read man, right? right. So, and I'm wondering if Trente blocked that read man because no one was assigned to that front side linebacker. You see, Zinter makes a move to his offensive left. Okay. And then he kind of goes up and looks at him and gives an arm toward him, but he had no angle at him. So it, it would make more sense to me. That Trente would have taken a big, fat, wide split, and then dipped that shoulder to go dart for the front side linebacker. JJ reads that defensive end as he comes up to play him, or the read, or the running back, and then you pitch or keep, whatever. It looks like there was a miscommunication on the front okay. side of that one, but um, you know, you say, you know, yeah, it's our job to talk about this stuff. We bring this up, and I bring this up as a former player because I right. guarantee you, Coach Moore, 100%. these are the things that he's looking at in the offensive breakdown. You have a great game, right. and you get all your helmet stickers, and it's a great vibe. But when they sit down and they look at this film, there's going to be negatives on some of these plays. And, yeah. in, you know, if you've graded out at 85 maybe a bunch of these guys probably graded out at 85%, maybe higher, who knows. That's still not 100%. Right. And so there's always room for improvement, and that's the way these players are coached. Right. And so, yeah, you did a great job. But you're not perfect, and until you're perfect, then we're going to keep coaching you. So that's right. all we're talking
2: about right. here. Right, and in no way, shape, or form do we think these guys aren't doing a good job. Now, no, on they that did. third, right, and on that third and one play that you're talking about, that mm-hmm. clock's running down, uh, I, and I'm going to give them these guys the benefit of the doubt here. They should have called timeout, okay, because when they snap that ball, that defense is running downhill, and mm-hmm. what they should have done is called a timeout and gotten a better play in there and uh and you know giving them time to set because they were running downhill at the snap is what i remember and i'm thinking man they, yeah, that's another great.
3: Yeah, that's another thing. Tommy, you made a great point. I watched that one. I'm like, man, you're running to the boundary side. There's less room over there. So again, I wasn't thrilled with the play call either. Mm -hmm. It gets a little finesse, a little cutesy, you know, running that thing. You're pitching the ball, which adds another element of risk. Um, And Michigan's offensive line was doing so well and other facets that they had done so far to that point in the game. But I understand they're, they're cracking open a few extra pages in that playbook. Hadn't seen that one yet. It's obviously in there to be worked on.
2: Yep, and back to third and one. That was a very critical point in the game because Iowa had just scored. You just given them momentum, and I'm thinking if you go three and out here, we got a ball game. I guarantee mm-hmm. it because that's what we've seen at Iowa. I thought Michigan got a favorable whistle in that game, to be honest with you, compared oh, to past
3: yeah, you know, to past
2: so years in Iowa. Uh
3: to, let's let's let let's take my my Michigan hat off mm-hmm. here. Iowa got screwed on two calls. Absolutely yep. screwed. Yep. The one kid that locked on to Sandra still um and pancaked him yeah right i thought this was football ballas
2: i knew you were going to say this
3: i thought yeah. this was football we're still watching this so the so the kid gets the 15 yard penalty and as an offensive lineman you got a blitzer coming in here and it's a little guy doesn't matter whoever it is if you're going to threaten my quarterback and I can get my hands on you i am going to make you wonder whether you want to do this again mm-hmm. and that's exactly what that kid did to our defender And I don't, when he locked onto that defender, the ball was gone. That offensive lineman is not taught to see, oh, am I away from the play or not? Should I be looking to see? Oh, should I stop blocking you or not? That's not how these guys are taught. And so the official throws the 15 yard uh, uh, personal foul flag for unnecessary roughness. I'm like, that is a BS call right there. And if I were Iowa, I'd be livid about that one. And then the other one, which was the clipping call, that was a really well executed backside cut block. By that right tackle, he got all the way down in front of Graham, got his body in front of the knees, and cut block him clean. He did not hit him in the back of the leg. And so those two those two calls, talking about favorable whistles, yep. in our favor for sure, and they were big ones for Iowa, but um, as an objective offensive line guy who just likes to watch good offensive line play, I wish you know. I love doing that to dudes that would come in on blitzes. Absolutely bury yeah. them as much as I could, and then the other one on the clipping. is like, come on, man, this is that's those are bad
2: calls. I think that's a letter of the law thing in college, though. I'm not positive. I'm gonna have to go back and we'll ask uh, them about that on Monday. But which
3: one, the clipping or the yeah the, uh, the
2: clipping? Now the, the first one. I'm speaking for smaller guys everywhere. I thought it was a great call. <laughs> uh, bullies like you, bullies like you, need to be put in their place at some point. And I thought that official did a great job. Yeah, show. no,
3: I so. disagree. I know you disagree.
2: Do. I understand.
3: yeah. And, well, and and the other thing about that clipping call ballis, yeah. the ball was still technically in the box. yes. so you were yeah. you were allowed to engage a defender. Now no one else was touching that three technique that Graham was playing. Right. That right tackle got down in front without anybody else touching him. so there was no high low personal foul thing there. I thought it was a clean block, and yeah. I think Iowa got jammed
2: on that. And I think that Kirk Ferentz did, too. And then he mentioned something in the postgame about how it's going to change next year anyway, so it doesn't matter and the rules and so on and so forth. I don't know what he's talking no, about there. I don't either. I don't either. So we're going to do a little bit more digging on that. We'll talk about that in next week's show. So when we have – I think Doug Karsh, the voice of Michigan football, is going to join us. So, All right, cool. Uh, yep, which is great. So he's been doing a really good job. Um, but, yeah, so there, that's what we're talking about in terms of the, the calls, and uh, you get the favorable whistles. and. Hey.
3: I wasn't going to complain too much, right? Right, exactly. It's, it's not very often that we no. get the favorable whistles. It exactly. seems like we're always the ones getting jammed. So, right. yep. I was like, yeah, you know what? I got screwed on that one, but yep. I'm not going to complain too much. I want said, this.
2: Yeah. And, and Ferentz said it did change the tenor of the game a little bit, and, and it did. At the same time, Michigan was dominant uh, for throughout most of this game, with the exception of probably seven or eight minutes where they let it get away. So, yeah. um, now let's talk a little bit about the center play. Olu, Olu Atimi. Yeah, I was watching him, and I was watching from the get-go, and Unfortunately, again, thanks to you, I'm watching offensive line play early in games <laughs> instead of you know the things I should be watching. You know the fun stuff. Uh,
3: no, that's what you should be watching. I
2: know, I know, that's what you say, but it's just not as it's just not as fun, folks. Trust me. But I was that's what watching
3: DBR is for Ballas. It's, you hit the repeat, you know.
2: Yeah, now when you're up there live, skiing, I know you don't have that luxury. I yeah. Know. So, but Olu Olotimi, I thought uh, had his best game, and I thought he was pushing people around. I could sense the difference. Uh, this is the first game where I'm like, okay, this guy is really really having an impact. I thought he played his best game in the Michigan uniform.
3: So when you don't see leakage up the middle in our passing downs and you don't see pressure and you, you know, JJ or whoever's in there, but now obviously JJ doesn't have room to step up or move around in there. um, When you know that's clean, you know your center is the bedrock of that offensive line and no news is good news when you're watching, when you are watching the quarterback and he's making his throws or whatever, he's got the room to do so and when he follows through with his arm and it's not touching the back of someone's uh uniform or helmet or whatever you know your center's doing a nice job and so yeah i'm watching him and i, I just think this offensive line is whether you're picking up momentum keegan in there i watch him and play in there in the middle ballast he's got a swagger to him and i think he might be the guy that likes to rub your nose in it a little bit um and I love watching that. You know, I love watching that. I know you uh, do. I think he plays with a little bit of a nasty edge, but you watch that trio in the middle there with Ola Watimi, who's doing a really nice job. And those two guards, they got a little something going here. Yeah. And they're starting to bully people. And um, our two tackles are, are Really good players too, I And mean, think. But you know, we f- we focus on them because it's just a player too in these games mm-hmm. where they'll give some pressure or a sack. You got to clean that up. But I think this offensive line is really starting to come around. And do some things that are exciting to
2: watch and they haven't been playing together that much this year because they've all yeah. been banged up and there was a concern right. going into this game about Keegan we'd heard some buzz that man they're they're looking at the leg and so on and so forth and to the point where you know he might be out a while we got better news on Thursday
3: well he's looking at, He looks like he's moving fine he does I mean, now body. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. guy see he's got the neck roll on he's wearing that big yellow or the big the big white neck thing yeah I, that is an indication that he's got a stinger issue Okay. As an offensive lineman, when you get, hit, you're, you, you get okay. hit, your head comes back this way. Um, not to bore you with science stuff, stuff, because I'm no doctor, because I, I had stingers. And let me tell you how much they freaking hurt. I can imagine. Uh, there's a nerve junction in all of our human bodies right here in the back of the neck. And when that thing gets pinched, it literally feels like someone's holding a blowtorch to mm-hmm. your arm. It hurts. And so the way you do that is you prevent your head from going back like that, and you put a big old old school neck roll on, and uh, that prevents it. So I'm I'm looking at that. I'm going, hey, he probably had a stinger or two, but those those can keep you out, man. They hurt
2: like those uh, old school michigan linebackers those big slow guys that played just before you the Mallorys. <laughs> <See, yeah. laughs> no disrespect matt the mike mallory and and, and uh and Annie neck rolls man neck rolls baby <laughs> but see he's not just a big dumb animal folks this guy you want science you want you know what
3: science exactly science this guy's a
2: smart lineman so and most of these guys are it's funny but um you get a bad rap so other than the mean thing you guys are yeah little bit mean but that's a good thing what did you want from and when you say keegan because it's funny when i was talking to him afterwards and i asked him that first question you know when you saw the film of this iowa team i asked him in the post game i said you know could could you sense that you guys might be in in line for a big day and I could see his eyes light up, you know, and he took it. These guys take it personal when mm-hmm. everybody's talking about this number one ranked defense in Iowa and back in black, they play back in black when they come out skiing. It's really cool. Mm. And then they kick their ass yeah, they for, did. for the better part of that they first, did. that first series. They just moved right down the field.
3: They did. There was a couple of short yardage and goal line plays. I think one of the touchdowns that we had, uh, maybe it was a third and goal. I can't even remember. I'm looking at, you know, you look where the ball goes and Coram went to the right side of the offense Zinter and uh, Trente absolutely drug those dudes out, submarine them and move them back. And all you need is a yard or two. It's exactly what well, we had. I think it was a third and one. It doesn't matter. Um, so they got down, did the nasty work, and they're grinding people out of there. And again, you know, for, for, for us and our conversation, for Michigan fans, this is all good. You just got to clean up those other things. You can't make yep. the big mistakes and, put, and allow your quarterback to have the ball on the ground in a critical moment. So perfection is the goal. And if you can get, you know, again, the standard always was eighty percent or higher. Uh, then you're you're playing championship football to be the very best. You probably need to be up near ninety percent um, with none of those really really bad b- plays. But uh, this offensive line is coming around, and I feel like they're they're really, um, you know, I'm a big, you know, we talk about it all the time, Bowles. Big proponent of watching that body language, and you see an offensive line start to kind of get that. Yeah, yeah, we are actually going to start torturing you here today in front of your parents and your girlfriend, and you're going to do nothing about it. Except and that
2: chicken sandwich, after get your
3: chicken sandwich, hey, get your ass on the bus, <laughs> go get your chicken sandwich because we're about done with you people. And it is so much fun to do that to opponents. I'm telling you, ballast, it's so yeah, much fun. I'm, I'm jealous because these guys get to do it,
2: yeah. That's awesome. Um, I, now it stands. I want to ask you this because somebody had said, "Okay, is it a case where Michigan's line was that good, or Iowa's? You know, you talk about Iowa not having a Mike Morris and not having a Mozzie Smith, and I think that was pretty clear. Yeah. But how is, could it be a case of the Michigan line just making them look worse than they are?
3: I think it's a combination. I okay. think that this offensive line has got something going here, and I think they can be very, very good. I see yellow, yellow shirt guy. <laughs> <I> love Jose. <laughs> uh, uh, this offensive line is coming into their own, and it's still early in this season. I think that um, that uh, at the same time, again, in my objective view, I didn't see the overpowering stud defensive linemen right. that I mentioned earlier that I think Michigan has um, and the way they played. And so I think it's a little bit of both. I do think this offensive line, again, is gaining in confidence, and what they can do, what they know they can do, and they're starting to show signs where they're just going to impose their will on people. And and I don't care who the opponent is because we got some big ones coming up. That's exactly what you want to see.
2: Yep. And then Jay Sherba on our message board had asked me earlier to ask you about the offensive line for iowa and compared them to maryland he said maryland had big guys that you could tell had been playing together for a while a couple guys are going to be in the nfl Uh, how does iowa's offensive line stack up to that one from what you said
3: maryland's better maryland's offensive line was better iowa you know they mentioned in the telecast iowa looked a little young Mm -hmm. uh inexperienced and i thought they played that way um a little streaky at times. Uh, couldn't protect their quarterback pass protection. You can always tell if an offensive line lacks its ability to to have the millions and millions of reps together in game situations. When you when you see pocket pass protection, your right tackle's hips are are you know maybe four yards deep, and your right guard is too high, and you have that big gap in between. There's a spatial recognition between all linemen, and you create this 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 gap and this this pocket for that protection. And it just is just you can't replicate it in practice. And so you get into game and one guy that makes a mistake and it can kind of steamroll and get out of control. And I've, I'm looking at this offensive line of Iowa's and like they, they certainly have the parts and pieces. They just don't have the experience yet. So okay. better things to come for them. But I, to answer your question, and um, I, I believe absolutely Maryland's offensive line was better.
2: Yeah, uh, they took it out on Michigan State too. Boy, we'll talk yeah, about the did. Big Ten here in a minute, but uh, that's a program that's reeling right now and not get their $95 million worth. So uh, <laughs> I want to talk about Cade McNamara, uh, not Cade McNamara, JJ McCarthy here though. Um, and really, when you talk about 155 yards, if if this were a Cade McNamara offense, you'd have people squawking that, hey, why don't we have JJ in there? Yeah, you know right. it's not it's not about who's there; it's about the offense that they're running. And he missed a couple of shots. You look at the numbers, 18 to 24. This kid's fantastic. Okay, the accuracy is great. Right. He's except for the deep ball. And that's something that he's got. Uh, The interesting part is that Michigan was number one in the country in explosive plays over 50 yards last year. Mm -hmm. Now they're dead last. They've got, Mm -hmm. I think, one over 40, which is, I think, you know, bottom bottom 20 percent in the country. So part of it is. There, there's two things to it, right? The, the deep ball, he's not hitting the deep ball. Otherwise, those numbers would be, you know what, you'd be have five or six. Uh, it's a tough pass. That The percentages on a deep ball, I don't think people, people understand. Uh, I think, i who was it? Joel Klatt said, you know what, that's a low percentage play, You no know, matter how good a quarterback you are. And you see guys in the pros missing guys on the deep ball all the time. But to me, this is a Jim Harbaugh's offense and the way he wanted it. And I thought he played it perfectly in this game. You're going to open it up, but that was a play. It's not playing not to lose. It's playing smartphone football and against that team in that environment. In my
3: it feels it feels like they're keeping JJ between the guardrails mm-hmm. in this in the safe part of the road here, which is exactly where he needs to be. Remember, this is this is his first season as the starting quarterback for Michigan. And in this Iowa game for sure, it's like, hey, we got this offensive line. We scripted the first couple series, which they usually do. We've yep. done absolutely what we want to do to them. We don't need to get greedy here and start slinging this ball down the field. Sure, we'll take our shots and Michigan did. And yes he needs to connect on these deep balls by about two feet. And all of a sudden, we've got all these touchdowns instead of incompletions. So that's awfully close. But I thought in this game, uh, in the previous you know game against Maryland, it's like, okay, let's not ask him to be some superhero back there. Let's, let's get him to, to play the position. And I think there is some development that we're seeing here with this young quarterback in that when he's given the time and he sits in there, he's looking. Number one, yes, no, no. Number two, yes, no, no. Number three, where's my tight end? There he is, right there. And the ball is gone into a catchable tight end uh, reception and off goes Schoonmaker for a first down. And so there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing super flashy, right? 155 yards, who cares? But Ballas, we handled Iowa pretty easily and if yeah. not for a few plays, we blow them out by two or three more touchdowns. Right, And so I'm not concerned at all about this. I think it is interesting that you know, one of the bags on on uh, on Cade was he couldn't connect on the deep ball. And now Cade's got a little bit of a, a slump going here with connecting on the deep
2: ball. JJ you mean.
3: I'm sorry, JJ, yeah. yes. Yep. But that was a knock on Cade a year ago, right? He couldn't right. do the couldn't do the deep ball. And now JJ's having a little bit of struggles, the same thing. I, I, I wonder the same thing. And talking about the Michigan's offense, I was talking to my some of my buddies today. We're out playing golf and who is Michigan's number one wide receiver threat? Who would yep. you say that is? And, and I'm thinking to myself, is it Roman Wilson? Who is the guy on the edge of this offense that is the playmaker? I just don't know that they have one yet. And Wilson definitely is, is one of the guys. Um, but who are the other ones that are supposed to be or were supposed to be yep. You know Andrew L. Anthony's got all this you know exciting uh, physical ability, made a big play in that game and got open. I think he's an exciting guy, but there hasn't been anybody established yet. Is that because of the the harness and the leash that's been put on JJ? or is that because no one has established an ability to consistently get open?
2: I don't know the answer. I don't either. Andrell Anthony, though, had that big game against Michigan State where he thought with the route running and the catches and everything else, this is a guy who's going to be that guy. He had 11 snaps on Saturday, I think it was. So, Mm -hmm. Cornelius Johnson was out there for 55, I think. He had one catch for seven yards. I think Ronnie Bell is the answer to that question, but I think Ronnie Bell on the elite groups of Michigan receivers over the years would be a number two or a number three guy, right? Mm -hmm. If you go back to Jason Steve Breston, and Braylon Edwards, for example. Man, that is an elite trio of receivers. So, so you you know, you're holding him to that standard, that Michigan standard, which is, you know, having some of the best receiving groups in the country. Uh, No, he's not that. But – a lot of the times, for example, we've talked about this. You don't see the fades anymore. You don't put, don't see the 50-50 balls where these guys are getting their opportunities uh, to to make plays. They were just showing highlights of Michigan versus Iowa from I think two thousand three, mm-hmm. where Braylon Edwards goes up and gets a a a, a, a jump ball uh, and trap can a banana again. Bella is great at <laughs> high pointing the ball. He is, and his hands mm-hmm. are getting better. You see him getting more confident. Everybody mm-hmm. talks about the drops, so. You know, I think we will see more of that in these next few weeks with Indiana's awful ranked pass defense. I think Penn State's 112th in the country scheme in pass defense; they're usually better than that. Uh, and then Michigan State, which is I think 102nd. So mm-hmm. uh, I do want to go back to Lamar's question. He was asking about did Michigan attack Iowa's too deep uh, enough, and I thought I thought that they took their shots, and I think I think it was good uh, what they did. You know what? It's like. Another thing Kirk Verrett said is it is easy to call plays when you can run the ball.
3: Yeah, I was going to say to that. Lamar, I w- Lamar, what I would tell you is when you're when you're dominating the offensive line, why? Why do you need yeah. to? Cuz you could you yes, you can you 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 could have. Yes, we could have we could have attacked that more than we did. But when you are demoralizing the defensive front, when that defense gets back in a huddle, the secondary it's it's like a it's like a feeling in a huddle. And you know when the big boys up front are getting their butts whipped by the opposing offensive line, it it takes the it takes all the energy and sucks the air right out of that huddle. And it's like oh crap, right? Yeah. Um, so when whenever you can do that, that's absolutely what you want to do.
2: Yep. And I was more disappointed with the execution, frankly, the deep ball to Wilson. That was a perfect time for that play. And I tweeted just a few minutes before I'm like, they are pounding them. They are going to take their shot over the top and it's going to be there again, missed it by a couple of feet. You know what? He's getting closer, right? Yeah. A couple of these, that you know, last week where, you know, he threw them over their heads. Um, you know, they aren't all going to be the Hawaii ball according to East Johnson, where you put it right on the money. But, <laughs> uh, and then they were going to take that shot when Zach Zinter, you know, stepped on, JJ's foot, so they were taking their shots, <laughs> and that easily could have been, you know, a 250-yard game if you hit a couple yeah. of those. And I think you will see more and more of that. And I think against Indiana, I think that's where you're going to see them open it up a little bit more too. But I do want to talk about the running game and Blake Corum here, who, you know, we were asking, uh, who's, what's he going to do when Hassan Haskins isn't here? He's really taken over to the point. One thing he's doing, which is interesting to me, he seems to be skipping a little bit when he gets that ball. Have you noticed that when he's skipping waiting for that hole? Yeah, when he was waiting for that hole to. Well, open.
3: I, yeah, he's, he's, he's dem- it could be what he's doing with his feet. He's demonstrating right. patience. right? right? Uh, patience, 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 and he's yep. looking, and he's not just looking at his intended gap, right? wherever that ball is intended to go, but he sees between his tackles, and if he sees a, a daylight over here, but on their base running plays, Ballas, and you can see it, and especially in those behind the, the offensive line views, he's demonstrating patience. He's letting those, when two linemen come together for a down lineman combination block, He's got to wait for that other lineman to release to go to the second level, and he's not getting ahead of that second guy. Yeah, and that is allowing him to have an extra two or three yards per run. So that comes with maturity and experience, and that's obviously what uh, what he's doing with regularity. One hundred and thirty three yards. I mean, the kid's just obviously a workhorse. Yeah, and uh, he's got he's got. I think he's got some underrated speed too, Bowes, When he does get in the oh, open,
2: yeah. There's no question he's got and, good and, speed.
3: And when he gets into the when he gets into the secondary, he's going to punish a defensive back.
2: Yep, you're going to ha- you're
3: going to have to you're going to have to uh, absolutely get physical to to tackle this kid, and that's uh that's a good thing too.
2: And the number that stands out here, J.J. McCarthy, uh, you know, got sacked a couple times, 14 yards and losses. However, uh, that was the the fumble, was the big play. that. But there's more from him when they need him, in my opinion. Now, you bring that out in Ohio State game, you know, maybe something they haven't seen a lot more of the read option. This kid's fast, and he can be a weapon there. But without Cade McNamara now, your backup is a guy who hasn't played a whole lot of football, Alan Bowman has, at Texas Tech. So I think you're going to see them be a little bit more careful with him. And I think they should be. I don't think... You sit there and you run him and like they ran Denard Robinson. Remember him? He had a nerve problem that that never went away (laughs) because they were beating the crap out
3: of him. If you're going to have a quarterback that is a a critical part of your rushing offense, you better have two. And they better be ready to go. Um, And right now we don't have two for sure things. We have one. So it does make more sense that you play more of a conservative style. And again, when you can take your one established quarterback and hand it off to a workhorse running back like Corum, behind an offensive line that is gaining more momentum and confidence, you do that until you can't do it anymore. And that is the answer to keeping your – other quarterback healthy. Let's talk about the
2: defensive line. Uh, I didn't see a ton of pass rush until the end of that game. I thought the deciding series was when Iowa gets the ball back down twenty to seven, and boom, four times. Yabioki oh. and Mike Morris got in there, and I'm thinking <laughs> yes. these guys flat out took over that series and just dominated. Iowa's line, Iowa's line looked defeated.
3: Yeah. Uh so, so Morris obviously two plays in a row, incredible, just making that right tackle have nightmares for the rest of his, you know, season. And then Oki comes in there and they run a little defensive end twist, right? So he was it was tackle end. And Oki was the second guy coming around. He did a really nice job, Ballas, of keeping his path tight and up in the middle sometimes, just like a pulling offensive lineman. If you get wide and too deep, you waste space and you take yourself out of the play. He did a really nice job executing that twist and uh, boy, he was up in that quarterback's face. So I, I mean, and I think when that kid's on the field, he brings a little bit of a spark to that, that pass rush. I think you're going to see more of him. Um, I like him a lot. So, um, Morris and has Mike, flashes. Yeah, Mike.
2: And you're right, Mike. Uh, it's like before that they hadn't been getting a whole lot of a. Now I don't know how much of Max protecting they did Iowa because they've got their statue back there, and they found holes in the in the seams there of that defense. i yeah. want to talk about that in a second too. But how but much would, were these guys Max protecting against the four-man rush?
3: I didn't. I didn't see tight ends hanging in there okay. long because their one tight end was lighting it up. But I would say that to that to that point that uh, I think it was Mike that just made that comment about mm-hmm. Morris. You got to have flashes before you can get consistency. Mm -hmm. So I would say the pass rush individually, um, you know, is, is a work in progress, right? I think this defensive line, very similar to this offensive line, I think these guys are gaining confidence and what they did late in that football game in that series against Iowa is another building block toward what this defensive line, I think can do. And they do have a nice rotation. And I like the combination that they're putting them. I think you're going to see Oki more on the field. I think that guy brings a spark to it and Morris, uh boy those were two plays in a row and yeah that that right tackle that he was working against was his head was spinning and it was out of sorts oh well sucks to be sucks to suck dude so here he comes you know again and and i they weren't giving him help no they didn't ballast they didn't send a tight end over there they didn't set a back over there to chip him either and you know hey that's the way it's supposed to be you're supposed to block that guy but he couldn't
2: it didn't look like they were blitzing a whole lot is that true? Sucks to suck. That's suck. <laughs> a Doug Skeen chicken sandwich and sucks to suck. Two things that we're going to put on the on the Doug Skeen <laughs> shirt that we sell to our, our subscribers. So, uh, But I, I don't think Michigan blitzed a whole lot in this game. And I think maybe there were a couple times that I think they were worried about maybe the screen passes. They're going to like, OK, Spencer Petras, you're going to beat us. And yeah. they didn't think he was going to. Now, he had, a, he had some tough moments, but he also had some moments where I thought there was too much room between the linebackers and the safeties there. And they found yeah. the seams and it was a little disappointing.
3: Yeah, their tight ends are running a little bit free. They mm-hmm. made some plays, right? Um, and so, you know, how tight do you really expect this Michigan defense to be? Again, I think again we're we're coming along and they're building confidence. And yeah, they're giving up yards, but they weren't giving up the points, Ballas. So they were stiffing them up where they needed to be. And I I kind of like where they're at where they're at right now. Mm-hmm. And again, let's let's call out Upshaw on the uh, the play he made on that screenplay where he, yeah. s- he smelled he smelled the rat, Ballas. Yeah. He you smelled know. the rat, and then he that one saw a that
2: Another
3: one. <laughs> sometimes you smell a rat. You got to know where to find him, and he found it on that one and made a great play. So, yeah, you know, I just see you know, again, in watching this defense having the success or having it and having fun together, you can't put that in the stat line anywhere. But it, man, it's a big difference maker when you see guys playing together and celebrating together, building confidence together. It just snowballs, Ballas. I'm telling you, for having been there and done this, you just build this confidence and the expectations go up and you're feeling good about the next opponent and you know about the one at the end of the season. It's like, yeah, we're building towards something big here.
2: Yeah. You loved playing on the road, didn't you You guys, taking over their stadiums? Loved it.
3: But Ballas, I'm telling you, it's just – when you come out in every stadium, you come out somewhere near the fans, right? You come out for <laughs> you smell a rat in your chicken sandwich. Yes, that that would suck, sucks yeah. to suck. Yes, you come out. You come out near. You know, you come out for pregame, and there's usually some clowns near your tunnel barking at you, telling you the worst things about your mom and your sister you could ever imagine. And you kind of look up, and you see them, right? And they're up there, and they've had a few beers at the tailgate, and they're jawing at you. You go out for a warm-up. You come back, and it's the same fat guy barking at you and his ugly girlfriend saying stuff to you that you'd never want to hear in your life. And then you go out, and you play the first half, and maybe it's a tight game. You come back at the half through the same tunnel. It's the same fat guy with the ugly girlfriend, and you want to do something, but you can't. And then by the end of the game, Ballast, when you've absolutely demoralized everybody and you've won and the stadium is silent and everybody's shoulders are down, and you come walking back down there, if the fat guy's still sitting there, you kind of look at him and you just kind of get one of those, you know. Gotcha, buddy.
2: <laughs> it's like Mike Leach here. It's like we're having Mike Leach on our podcast. We have to get Mike here to, to talk with, with, with Don. Oh, God. I think Don's dead, God rest his soul. But uh, yes. fantastic, because every time, it is funny, because you, you do hear those guys, and you know uh, no wonder you're so calm, cool, and collected on the golf course. If somebody yelled that to like when i was i'd be like in tears you know my, my mom's hey, a saint. you know Your how many times <laughs> saint, you know?
3: i mean the worst the worst things a human could possibly say to, to another yeah. human and now but these are grown men usually right. saying things men. To, you know 19 20 year old young men right. out there playing college football and you just you know you can't you can't what are you going to do? Tell him to shut up? No. So right. all you can do, Bales, is you go out there and you absolutely destroy his favorite football team and it's just so satisfying yep. to go into someone else's stadium and shut them all up. Yeah. And walk out of there like, "Yep, yeah, we just did that to your team. Enjoy the rest of the night, people." Yeah. And then of course <laughs> when you do when you do that in, you know, in most other stadiums on the way back out, you get on the bus. And you get your own chicken sandwich and your own little yeah. box meal and your king size Snickers bar and your bag of chips and everybody's happy, right?
2: Tastes a little it, better.
3: It tastes a little bit better, and the and the you know the police escort takes you away and that then the bus out of town and then usually you see the the opponents and their tailgates giving you the big middle finger as the buses go by and you just wave.
2: Hey, bye. <laughs> God, I love these podcasts. Oh man. All right. A couple of things before we go. Um, what about the kids that aren't playing? Okay. Because we hear like social media is the devil. All right. We both know that, but you know what? you get these comments out there, so-and-so should be playing more, or should transfer to Illinois or whatever. To, And then these kids are liking these posts, you know, even after a win. And, you know what, they didn't play a whole lot. And then you, you hear the story about the kid on the sidelines who's mad that he didn't play more and, you know, he's walking off the field in disgust. Mm-hmm. Was there always that? Is it just more obvious now because of the social media? Or yeah, it's
3: it- – yeah, I think it's more prevalent for sure because mm-hmm. of the the megaphone that everybody has sitting in their pocket with their smartphone, right. and that's just the way things are now. I think there's always that feeling, but the answer to that to that same point has always been the same. If you were worthy of playing time and you were demonstrating this in fall camp and in practice, especially on Tuesdays and Wednesdays when when you're playing live football, uh, you would be out there. Uh, if you were that good and you were that big of a difference maker, you will find your way on the field. Um, and if you're not playing, there's usually a reason why. Um, and, and in my experience of, of being there and doing this and watching these other players that we've seen come in through Michigan, and you're there, you're far, you're there far more than I am. You are closer to practices than I am, Ballas. Players are making plays in practice, and the players always know who the players are. And, and on every team, there's always a handful of guys They just want to sit in the corner and woe is me. It's all about me and I should be playing more. Well, you know what? Maybe you should do more and then you will find yourself playing more. And that's usually how it goes.
2: Yep, you're five and zero, and you are number four in the country, folks. You know what? You're yeah. going to get your chance, and you're going to get your opportunities. So, yep. uh, easy for me to say, as the guy, you know, who would have been either the holder or the kicker. But you know what? You waited. Ballas, your turn. I was one of those guys, right? Right. I, exactly. I,
3: I sat on the bench at Michigan for three and a half seasons. Yep. And thought, you know, I, I was. Well, I thought I was practicing just as good as some of my other wine mates, and yet I wasn't playing, and I wasn't playing, and I got frustrated, and it's like, what do I got to do? And then I realized the, the answer for me to get on that field is to destroy more people in practice, and when I started doing that, magically, I started playing, and so that's how it works.
2: Yep, there's Jacob Sherba again, one of our better posters. Instant reaction. Thoughts on the report that Wisconsin is parting ways with Paul Christ with Leonard as interim. No Jim way. Leonard being the defensive coordinator. I can't no believe that way. either.
3: That, no, way. However, Come on. Now,
2: now wait a minute. Now wait a minute. Illinois goes in there with Brett Bielema. And I got to tell you this dream I had last night. I was... Actually talking to Brett Bielema, he was in a t-shirt and he's on this he was on the field. And I said, Well, and, and Illinois had just beaten Wisconsin. They held up a two yards rushing scheme. Yeah, I know. Illinois did. They went in there and kicked their ass. And I said, and I said in my dream to Bielema, how about coming back to Wisconsin or something like that? And you know, it's come doing the whole 360 thing. And in my dream, he goes, Wow, wouldn't that be something? You know, type of thing. That'll never happen, number one, because of the way they parted ways. But number two, if this is the case,
3: I can't uh, believe this.
2: You know, here's the thing, but their identity was just beating the crap out of you uh and we can have hutch look into this and see if there's any truth to this report but uh you know what their identity here the, the less the, the further the w- they get away from bielema here with christ you know you can say boy two yards rushing man that's not wisconsin football yeah, they go out and get graham mertz that quarterback that's supposed to be yeah. all everything you know what they can't move the ball anymore
3: here's wisconsin's problem this year um they don't have the guys on the edge of their offense for merch to get the ball to they don't have elite receivers um their offensive line has been oh my i can't believe this wow um it is what it is Uh, this is college football win or get the hell out so uh, that's the way it is now um and wisconsin's defense does not have the front seven studs they've got a really good nose tackle um, but there are other, there are, you know, they run that, that odd front balance They run a, a you know, three, four defense. They had those stud outside linebackers that could rush the passer. Those guys are all in the NFL now. So this is a little bit of a rebuild on the defensive side for Wisconsin. And, but I, again, I understand two yards of rushing Wisconsin still has talent in their offensive line. They have a good young running back and they can't seem to get any push. Um, I don't know, I thought that Rudolph was still the offensive line coach up there, and that's the same guy that's been pumping dudes in the NFL for 10-15 years up there, I don't know, I think, I thought there was a staff change and maybe he was the offensive coordinator and then that, that got switched, but it's been a little bit clunky up there with the Badgers, and I just can't believe, because Chris was I mean, they love him there, right? I, I just, I don't, I'd like, I guess I want to know more. Not about anymore.
2: Him. And Brett, and Brett Bilma. You know what? When you get embarrassed by the guy that uh, embarrassed you, you know what? That's going to make you do something probably. So, uh, and you know what? You're zero to oh two
3: because yeah, Alvarez is the coach, right? Or yeah, the ECFA director.
2: I don't think he is. I mean, he might have retired, but regardless, I'm sure he's got some say. But zero to oh and two in that division scheme. That is the worst division in football. Even your guy, row the boat guy, loses twenty to ten row- dude <laughs> uh, PJ Flack. (laughs) So does anybody want exactly does anybody want to win that division man I don't think they do the fact that Nebraska is in tied tight for first place after firing Scott Frost yeah
3: it's unbelievable row the boat guy row the boat guys team I got a feeling read of too few many things about how good they were started reading their own clippings. Got a little soft, thinks, oh, it's just Purdue coming to town. Purdue's been playing people tough all year. And so Minnesota got a little uh, taste of reality up there. And lost uh, the running back. A and and they lost their running back, yep. yep. And so yeah, Wisconsin now in total turmoil. That's unbelievable. Yep. Um, yeah, Northwestern is a train wreck this year. Um, so the way at yeah, the west side, Iowa, you know, can Iowa come around? Ugh. And the west, I don't know. I The west is a mess. Um
2: I said in a tweet, I said whoever wins that trophy should donate it to recycling because it's not going to really be worth a whole lot,
3: man. Yeah, you, you're you're going to come out of the West and you're going to play Ohio State or Michigan. Yep. Good luck with that, whoever yep. it is in the in the Big Ten
2: West. Yep. So interesting. You know. Your thoughts on the rest of the East, man? Michigan State reeling right now, and uh... I'm
3: I'm disappointed. You know, I'm disappointed not in a Michigan State fan kind of way, but their quarterback should be better than this. Well,
2: the rest of the team kind of sucks too.
3: I understand yeah. that. And I understand yeah. the secondary is getting all kinds of, you know, negative uh, commentary, but if you, again, Ballas, how many times have we got to say it? If you can't get to the quarterback and disrupt his life back there, it's going to be a long afternoon. And Michigan State cannot do that with consistency. So, of course, it makes your secondary look worse. And But offensively, the Michigan state quarterback there thorn i mean come on man he's, he's you can't turn the ball over like this kid's doing he's taking a step back and so they look like they're a hot mess now that doesn't mean they're going to come into ann arbor here in a few weeks and be anything short of super bowl contenders because they will that's how they play this game right but right now they're in a they're they're swirling around the toilet bowl they got ohio state this week ballas and Name your score um I'm telling you, speaking of the rest of the Big Ten, so I've got a personal friend who was at the Wisconsin-Ohio State game, and I talked to this personal friend of mine last week, and he's like, Ohio State's offensive line is quietly badass. They are very good. Their two tackles that were kind of fat and lumpy last year got in shape, and they could move. He's like, "That that Ohio State offensive line is real, and his comment to me was, Ohio State, you know, you know, hey, if we played this team 10 times, uh we might win one or two. And he's like, "No. If we play this team 10 times, Ohio State's going to absolutely track meet us 10 times. They're that good."
2: And this is a so, guy who knows football people. He knows I football. Know who he's talking about. Yeah,
3: yeah. He, he knows football. Yeah, yeah, he very very well. And so uh Ohio State is who we thought they were going to be. Damn yep. good.
2: Yeah, and, and so took that, it yeah. personal when they lost to Michigan and and everybody's telling them how badly they suck and that yes. you guys and you don't, and that, don't deserve to play anymore. And that that
3: was the thing that he said. He's like, you know, this Ohio State team looks like they're playing with a chip on their shoulder with something to prove. There and you. with all that talent. So that's going to be an enormous challenge for Michigan down the road. But uh, and then I think quietly, no one's paying attention to Penn State. No one's paying attention to them. And I didn't know that they didn't play all that well this uh, yesterday. But uh, when they play us here in a couple weeks, they'll be ready to go.
2: Rainstorm. Uh, I think it rained consistently for the entire game. There were eight turnovers, I think, in that game, if I'm not mistaken. So, regardless, yeah. I was going to ask you about the game. We'll talk about that next week a little bit after the Indiana game. But, folks, really appreciate you joining us. Give us a like if you don't mind. If you like, uh, you know what, uh, Doug Skeen's chicken sandwich and smell a rat <laughs> stuff. So, we're going to have t shirts made uh, and we will let you know when those are available. Smell a rat. I appreciate you, brother. Always right. great stuff. And Hutch, our producer, thanks. And we will see you guys again next week.
3: Yeah. All right. Go blue.